Hey everybody, on today's show, Daryl and I are going to be celebrating all things Bundesliga. It's back and we're looking at things to be excited for, from young Americans who might get minutes to young Americans who we think possibly definitely will get minutes, possibly definitely being key there. We talk about some of the title challengers, some of the also-rans, and some of the not-quite-yet-runnings, but maybe they will. We shall see. Before we get to all that, I wanted to let you know that this episode of the Total Soccer Show is brought to you by Remarkably Remote from GoToMeeting. It will help you succeed in today's new normal. In just three minutes or fewer, they will share simple but helpful tips to keep you on track from, say, managing your motivation, workload, and relationships to hosting and attending virtual events that keep you connected with your clients and colleagues. So check out Remarkably Remote on your favorite podcasting platform or just head to gotomeeting.com slash tips. Welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by a man who's looking forward to the Geisterspieler. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. There it is. Hello, buddy. I was surprised we didn't get a Guten Tag or something along those lines. You brought in the German at the end. I knew it would be there. Just wasn't sure where. Have you seen the phrase Geisterspieler floating around the internet? And do you know what it means? No and no. It means the ghost games, which is apparently... Ah, yes. How these behind closed door um, Bundesliga games, that's how they're being referred to uh, by German soccer fans. I have seen them referred to as ghost games. I had not heard the German terminology for that one. Still seems a bit melodramatic for games that are going to be counted in <laughs> league play and will be televised to billions of people. So for those who don't know, the Bundesliga is coming back. We have yeah, live top-level soccer to look forward to starting Saturday, mm. May 16th. If you're on the Shots US East fired Coast... fired the Belarus uh, League there, man. I mean, they deserve it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you are ready, Saturday, May 16th, 9.30 Eastern, the Bundesliga is back in action. Fox Sports 1 and TUDN um, is where you can watch the Bundesliga starting this Saturday. So today's Total Soccer Show is essentially a Bundesliga catch-up and preview. Mm-hmm. It's things to look out for as the Bundesliga comes back. And we're going to go back and forth, Taylor. I have all kinds of notes in my Google Doc here. I got really excited and made loads of notes. Uh, I got really excited as well. Uh, I, I want to get into some of the specifics, but I want to start off with a general one, which maybe isn't even a bullet pointer uh, sort of thing, but I'm going with it anyway, which is just that it's nice to have to schedule things. Like, I, <laughs> I, I have already set my alarm for Saturday because uh, my wife and I do not have children, so it's easy to sleep in, but now I have reason to wake up at 9 a.m. on a Saturday, and I'm kind of excited about that in a way that I would not normally be. Okay, first question then. This is the excitement of soccer coming back. Yes, you, set your alarm, you set your alarm 30 minutes before kickoff. Yes. What do you do with those 30 minutes? In actuality, that's my reminder. I will probably wake up at 8.30. I will probably make coffee, make breakfast, uh, let the dogs out, and then I will watch the game. There we go. It sounded mm-hmm. unrealistic, if I was honest, because yeah, I, I yeah. could not get ready in 30 minutes to watch a soccer match. I know that I would still be brewing the coffee while the game was kicking off. Uh, now, there's always a chance that I go with my patented method of set the alarm, uh, snooze, and then turn that off, and then oversleep, and then uh, wake up for maybe the part of the second half, and then immediately fall back asleep. There's also I, that plan, but I'm hoping I don't do that. I do that a lot. Mm-hmm. I guarantee I won't do it this weekend. I <laughs> oh, am boy. so excited to watch live soccer. Again. I'm going to do like a World Cup fan thing, and I'm just going to keep calling you all night on Friday to keep you awake. <laughs> <laughs> Since it's been guaranteed. But we... I'm going to use my um, – there's a, a picture of an airplane on my mm-hmm. phone, which I believe is the Bundesliga is coming back setting that I can turn it to. <laughs> so you can't accept incoming calls. <laughs> 
I feel like if, if anybody had that setting on their phone, it would be you and maybe Manuel Faith. Uh, Manuel Sancho is in flight. That's what the airplane means. <laughs> uh, Manuel is going to be on the show next week. He and I are going to be getting into sort of German uh, club finances, what has mm. happened with coronavirus, what may happen in the transfer market, and lots of other things financial. Uh, but Daryl and I are going to be instead looking at sort of gameplay, matches, players, all that type of stuff. But I do have yeah. one more general one. Uh, uh, off the bat, I just want to say that like I do have this excitement that you have for the Bundesliga, it does seem as though there are some uh, people out there, uh, for whatever reason, who are sort of looking at this with a very critical eye. And I understand yeah. the trepidation of like, well, aren't we still in the middle of a pandemic? And shouldn't they be wearing masks? Like, if I can't go out and not wear a mask, why are they allowed to? The answer is they're not. They still have to. But I think there is <laughs> some sort of cynicism uh, to the Bundesliga reopening. And I think it is kind of being seen as a commercial move. Oh, you guys just want to get your money. And, that, and that's all this is. You're putting players at risk. And I do think that that's a bit harsh because in actuality, they've, there have been so many steps taken and we can get into that now or later. But I do think that, yes, there's commercial interest because it's a commercial entity. But more to the point, I think it's that they're kind of following German rules of uh, we're reopening, non-essentials are reopening, we're not essential, so we're doing the same. So I think it's worth being excited about rather than yeah. cynical. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go into this cynically. I'm mm-hmm. aware that there could be a situation where we suddenly get a lot of positive coronavirus tests from players because they're going to be tested regularly, yeah. right? Players and officials and coaches and all that. And it could all fall apart, right? It could turn out to be a mistake. And if it is, it is, and we'll learn from it. But I'm, yeah. I'm quite into the idea of we're going to see what happens and hope for the best and go into it with some optimism. And, and also, would... this, is, this is the case with everything right now. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what's going to happen. There are so many sort of known unknowns and unknown unknowns that it's impossible to predict what's going to happen so yeah let's go into it with some optimism see what happens and be prepared for the worst but hope for the best yeah and i would say with hoping for the best in mind uh my my second reference to manuel and then we can move on uh in the football grad uh podcast which he uh, appears on sometimes hosts he did make the point that uh because of increased bundesliga testing early on they were able to identify a lot of people who were asymptomatic uh but then would have spread it elsewhere so there's also an argument of like more bundesliga means more testing like maybe means more of an eye on it so maybe you are able to deal with it a little bit more so there could even be positives there yeah. not saying that necessarily is what's going to happen just saying that like we should just because the united states is in a bit of hot water putting it lightly we shouldn't then be like well germany's in the same situation why are they allowed to reopen very different so circumstances that- so let's just be excited for the bundesliga yeah, there were those three Köln players, right, who, yeah. uh, who tested positive. And the entire uh, Bundesliga 2 Dynamo Dresden team is currently in quarantine. Yeah. Their game this weekend will not go ahead. Uh, but they're planning to essentially have Dynamo Dresden, when they come out of quarantine, just play sort of a, a, more, uh, a more congested schedule yeah. and, and get back up to speed. So they're, mm-hmm. they're really doing their best logistically um, with what they've got. There we um, go. Are you ready to talk some soccer then, Taylor? Yes, sir. Let's give people um, things to look out for as the Bundesliga comes back this Saturday. I want to start with just a quick TV schedule so people know what's on. Um, If you're watching in the US, Fox Sports 1, 9.30 Eastern, Dortmund v. Schalke, the Mm Revere Derby. It's a big, big game. At the same time on TUDN, I don't know how to pronounce it properly, but TUDN, the artist formerly known as Univision, (laughs) um, it's RB Leipzig against Freiburg. Later in the day at 12.30, it's Frankfurt versus Borussia Mönchengladbach. Bayern Munich aren't back until Sunday. Um, They're away to Union Berlin um, at 12.30 on Sunday, and that's on Fox Sports 1 and TUDN. There's, there you, there's your quick TV guide. Also on Monday, Werder Bremen versus Bayer Leverkusen. The one that we're all waiting for, for sure. I mean, kind of. I want to see Josh Sargent. More on him later. I mean, actually, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to start us there, Mr. Grove, unless, unless you object. Unless you want to go bigger teams first. 
Let's go bigger team okay. and um, chronologically the game that's going to happen on Saturday. All right. First, yeah? All right, fine. Then let's go, yeah, let's go to Dortmund Schalke. Yay. Let's not, though, right? No fans. No fans allowed in the stadium. <laughs> yeah. yeah, then we would be breaking the rules, and obviously that's not would. what they want. Yeah, I think they do a lot of limited <laughs> press, but uh, no press conferences. Virtual press conferences, maybe we'll be able to watch some of these. You never know. Interesting. All right, mm-hmm. So do you have something you want to talk about from uh, Dortmund versus Schalke? M- mine is a bit more uh, general, and I'm starting off with Dortmund. And basically my question is, can Dortmund challenge uh, Bayern Munich's dominance? <laughs> Which is a, a very general way of putting it, especially uh, when like we haven't even talked about Bayern yet. But I think for this Dortmund team, with the talent they have, but with the idea that there will be potentially an exodus of a lot of their talented players, this could be their sort of chance to really go at Bayern Munich, especially with the kind of break they've had to revitalize a little bit. But it could also be them sort of losing their form, or now they've got to bring in some players who they wouldn't have had at their services, but that means getting rid of some or not giving the, uh, others the time they would have had maybe uh, towards the back half of the season if it were played naturally. So, so sort of well, let's, get, let's to, get into mm-hmm. the situation, because we'll have people listening, Taylor, who don't know the current Bundesliga table situation. Sure. Right? So the big, big picture thing here is Bayern Munich are top, Dortmund are four points behind. Mm-hmm. And... I'm going to guess that Bayern are aiming to keep it that way, slash maybe <laughs> widen that gap. And yeah. so it will require like more stable performances from Dortmund than they've been able to put together, obviously, this season because they're four points behind, but because they have had these erratic moments where for every time they score four goals, they often concede three or will concede two. And against stronger opposition, they'll concede four or five if it's Bayern Munich. So that sort of imbalance is where I'm looking at. Can they stabilize things enough to see out this season and really give Bayern a run for their money? It's really tough that they're coming back yeah. with the River Derby as well, right? So this is the big rivalry, um, Dortmund versus Schalke. It'll probably be lacking some of that passion that makes the, at least plays a part in making it unpredictable and exciting. Dortmund-Schalke is always an interesting game, right? Um, so I'm really interested to see, um, does the River Derby get wild when there are no fans? I I don't know. That's that's always the question when it's like the modern modern teams with modern players of like, do yeah. they hate each other the way maybe like right? Liverpool Man United teams used to hate each other way back when? If there aren't eighty thousand fans screaming in the seventieth minute, is this the type of game that finishes four four as it has done in the past, or is it a bit more a bit more sedate? Like maybe it's maybe it's good to no because Dortmund would have had this one at home, right? So it would have been better for them to have the fans there for sure. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I do think that Dortmund are in much more of a pressurized situation I, I, because at this point, I think Schalke 12 points off European spots. That's a yeah. difficult one to close. Schalke are saying maybe Europa League, but exactly. like, yeah. anything's better than at least we've played some half decent football this year, unlike yeah. in the past couple of years. Yeah, but, but but I mean, but also it's Schalke sort of knowing that it would take this massive turnaround to get into the Champions League. Maybe they get Europa League, but contrast that with Dortmund, who know like they effectively have to hit the ground running if they lose and Bayern win. Now it's seven points. That's way more challenging. So I do think there's a lot of more pressure on Dortmund than there is on Schalke, even if there aren't uh, thousands and thousands of fans there to uh, really push down on that pressure. That's why it's such a great game to come back with, right? It's because Dortmund really are under pressure because they have to keep keep gaining points to try and catch up with Bayern Munich. Let's get into this this game then. Obviously, if you're an American fan, there are a couple of interesting points here. There's Weston McKinney um, is usually a starter for Schalke. And Gio Reyna was just establishing himself with Borussia Dortmund before coronavirus shut the league down, right? So I will go out on a ledge and guarantee you'll see at least one of them at some point in this game. Yeah, my money would be on the uh, the gentleman in blue as opposed to the gentleman in yellow. Yeah, so here's my first question. My first thing I'll be looking out for, 
what position will Weston McKenney play for Schalke? Like mm. in this game and for the rest of the season. If we wind the clock back, 20, uh, what, two months, 61 days or so, in the final Schalke game before we all shut down against Hoffenheim, McKenney played as one of the two central midfielders in a 3-4-3. He had a bit more freedom, I think, to go to go wandering. Um, and he scored. He scored for, for Schalke in the final game before this all shut down. But there were two senior midfielders injured. Omar Muscarel, um, the Spanish central midfielder, who I think is Schalke captain, when he's available. And Suat Serdar were both injured for that Hoffenheim game. They are the two most likely to elbow McKenney out of his favourite central midfield starting spot. We don't know if those guys um, are going to be fully fit and ready to play or if they're still going to be injured and there wasn't enough recovery time or training for them to get back. But two months is a long time to recover from injuries, right? It, it certainly is. Uh, and I think you'll get, obviously, then more players back like theoretically fit uh i still think and and maybe this is jumping ahead a little bit but uh i saw a quote from felipe cardenas of the athletic uh from eric remedy did you see that one today he posted it on twitter the atlanta midfielder no what, yeah he said basically saying? um he said it's really nice to be back like in an actual training atmosphere with a coach with teammates i thought i could train in a similar setup at home in a similar style and basically i realized i cannot and so yeah. i think even if you have people like mostly fully recovered from injury or even fully recovered from injury I think because they missed out on that training, it just like because they didn't have that time period, I think you still have players who've been there who'd maybe established themselves a bit more have that kind of leg up on the guys who have returned, even if they're fully fit, just because there's that little leg up in training. At least that's where I'm uh, thinking. Daryl, would you agree with that, or do you think I'm maybe giving too much credit because I want Weston McKinney to be the key performer for Schalke? I mean, it's hard for me to say because I'm with you. I want Weston McKenney to be playing central midfield yeah. for Schalke with license to to run up and down. Well, I mean, what do we know about what Bundesliga teams have been doing in training? The last thing I read is that, you know, for a while now, they've been back, right? They've mm-hmm. been back and been allowed to go into practice, but they had to maintain social distancing, yep. as I understood it. No right? They were still training uh, uh, two meters, as they would say in Germany, two meters apart. Do we know if even in the run-up to actual full-on 11-a-side games for points in the Bundesliga that are going to be televised. Have they loosened it up in the day or two before? Or are they still maintaining social distancing and it'll be the first time they've been tackled in two months when the game starts? It can't be that, can it? I think it might be. Now, we do know there's a meeting meeting tomorrow, right? Where they're going to kind of iron out some of the rules or some more specific rules about like on-field conduct and what happens within the games. And maybe that's where they'll lighten it up. But as late as last week, I think, there were defenders saying like, yeah, I still can't tackle. I still haven't been tackled yet. So you don't quite feel like you're fully back all the way. Maybe they've relaxed that a little bit this week, but uh, they had not as of last week for sure. I would like to add to my list then, when I'm mm-hmm. watching um, Dortmund v Schalke, I'll be looking out for the first 50-50. Yes. So will players be a little bit timid because it's a thing they haven't yeah. been doing for a while? Or say it's a 50-50 ball, it's Emre Can and Weston McKenney, and they've got like an equal distance between them and they're both mm-hmm. racing for it. Like it's in slow motion, like it's the start of a movie or it's a Gatorade commercial. <laughs> or do they go all in because they've been just just chomping yeah. at the bit, ready to go for so long. That really will be a thing worth keeping an eye out for to see what type of mentality the players have about these games. I'm not making a judgment call on it. You can have a kind of soft mentality or you can have an all-in competitive mentality. And I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm just really interested to see what happens after this sort of unprecedented series of events. Yeah, and with that in mind, 
like, and I say this genuinely from a like positive perspective, not the cynicism I talked about earlier, but like, I, I'm looking forward to some of the inexplicably bla- bad play that we're going to get. Because you are going to get like players who just are, are out of fitness or out of form or haven't, you know, kicked a ball long in a while or like to the level that they're used to. So, yeah. I mean, obviously they're not like just coming straight back from like being on the couch for a couple of months. They have had training, but you are going to get, you're not going to get like the perfectly synchronized systems that we had just before the, uh, the lockdown went into effect so you will get some strange decisions and i think that's part of the enjoyment of like ooh, that they miscommunicated there that probably wouldn't have happened but it it creates interesting uh coverage that's for sure um here's another thing i'm looking for in this game taylor and this would have been whether um this was like a normal game or whether this was a comeback from coronavirus um guys just be like game we are going to see the matchup i think of Dortmund's currently all-conquering, terrifying young striker that they've just bought, Erling Haaland. Mm-hmm. He's going to be going up against Jean-Claire Todibo, the centre-back that Schalke loaned from Barcelona in January. And I think we're going to have a great sort of um, pace-for-pace matchup here. Both players are really, really quick, um, both with, the, with and without the ball. It'll be a proper competitive match. If there's ever a through ball with space for Haaland to run onto and Tadebo chasing him, that is going to be super exciting. I'm guessing that Tadebo's a name that people haven't heard. He's a young French defender, so highly rated that he's with Barcelona, but also so highly rated that he knows he can't just keep waiting on the bench at Barcelona. That's why he kind of agitated for a move to go on loan to Schalke. So you mentioned a lot of his his pace, and I'm assuming therefore physicality. Like yes. does, is he also sort of a lockdown defender, and do you feel like he's going to kind of approach it? Again, I know you can't know the specifics, but I'm wondering if you think, like, has Holland reached that level where sort of if you mark him, it's like marking Harry Kane out of the game or Lewandowski out of the game, that like you have kind of raised your game to that level to nullify that strong out of an attacking presence? I mean, definitely, right? Holland's the name. He's the name that sort of rings out so much that when, what, PSG scored, they, they sort of mocked his True. celebration. He's already (laughs) at that level of sort of fame and notoriety. And, you know, everybody, I'm sure everybody is talking about Haaland and all the goals he scored so quickly when he came into when he came into the Bundesliga. So yeah, two really quick, really competitive players going up against each other. I do know that on one of uh, Tadebo's rare appearances for Barcelona, he bottled up no lesser player than Laturo Martinez. He is ready to play. So these are sort of two young guns ready to go at it. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. So hopefully they go at it. Hopefully within the bounds of you know normal social distancing and everything. There's there's brief contact allowed, I believe. Uh, no, this is worth saying, right? There is no social distancing during the game. Game, right the players are not supposed to stay two meters from each other this is like it's, it's you're gonna be all in the rules are the normal rules of football uh, no I, I think they have to play in bubbles is that not what we're <laughs> going with um so then daryl like i know we don't usually go into like general predictions we try to do very specific predictions i won't ask you for that but for people who are maybe you know haven't watched bundesliga in a while have the the memory of these two teams has faded do you have a feeling for who you think might be dominant in this one or how this game might go I mean, Dortmund's the better team, right, Mm -hmm. over the course of the season. There's a reason that Dortmund are challenging for the title and Schalke are hoping for a Europa League spot. And Dortmund are at home, even if the stadium's empty. I would would favor Dortmund every time. Absolutely. So then then would you, if they lose this 1-0 or 2-1, like, do you think that is a sort of like, ooh, things are bad at Dortmund? Or is it just like, ah, yeah, I mean, they lost a game to a rival. It's a derby. It's how it goes. Well, this, no, this is the thing. In a weird way, I think because this is such an odd situation that may never be repeated, right? When we're all, this is the first game back after two months of coronavirus lockdown. Mm-hmm. You can sort of take any result and say, 
okay, there's lots of extenuating circumstances here. So yes. I agree with what you said at the top of the show that Dortmund need to hit the ground running if they're yep. going to keep the pressure on Bayern. But and like in terms of how many points they accumulate over the season, and as we, you know, there's only nine games left, right? So in terms of how many points are available and how many they get and their title challenge, it's definitely important. But if they lose this game somehow, I don't think you can say, oh, it means Dortmund are terrible because there, there's just <laughs> yes. so many excuses that you can you can hang on this. I'm sure some folks will, but they're probably Dortmund fans. Uh, Daryl, anything else from this game uh, before we move on? Only a billion things. Um, <laughs> here's, my, here's my big question. Uh-huh. Who starts in attack for Dortmund? Because now everybody's um, presumably fit. Dortmund really have a surplus of attacking players, right? They play. They always play with more or less a front three, right? It's like a 3-4-3 or a 3-4-1-2 or a 3-4-2-1, but it's essentially three attacking players. Um, one of them most recently has always been Haaland as the main striker, but not guaranteed, right? Favre sometimes goes no striker and all attacking midfielders. Um, but if we say Haaland starts, then the other two spots, you have Jadon Sancho, Mario Goetze, Marco Royce, Thorgan Hazard, Julian Brandt, and young Gio Reyna. That's six players I just named for probably two spots. Yeah, or maybe even one, potentially. What, because you think Sancho starts? Yes, 100%. Yeah, I think Sancho starts. <laughs> I, think, I, think it's, I think it's Holland and Sancho, and then you've got some folks vying for that other uh, position, which I feel like is Marco Rice slash Julian Brandt to lose. It's really tough, right? And you could also make the argument that maybe Mario Goetze or Julian Brandt could play central midfield. But I think in this first game back, in this derby game, your starting midfield for Dortmund has to be Axel Witzel and Emre Can, right? You want some sort of solid all-around midfielders as opposed to uh, more more attacking talents. Provided they're good to go, I think there were reports that they had to sit out the first couple days of training because they Who were did? still recovering from injury. Uh, I think it's it may have been Hummels and Axel Witzel. It might have been Emre Can and Axel Witzel. But either way, they've got some injuries they're carrying. But I think mm. for the most part, you'll have your, your first-choice Dortmund squad to, uh, to select from. Hey, this is Daryl cutting in. I've done a bit of extra research and it actually looks pretty likely that Emre Can and Axel Witzel will not be available for Saturday's game. So probably Julian Brandt plays central midfield and it's maybe Delaney or Dahoud alongside him. So big team news in advance of the Dortmund-Schalke game. And a salute to Taylor for uh, having done the research. I was not aware that Can and Witzel would not be available. This, of course, increases Gio Reyna's chances of playing. We don't talk too much about him right here. In fact, I think when we go back to the episode, I'm about to say maybe he doesn't play. But rest assured, if you want some Gio Reyna chat, right at the end of today's episode, we answer a listener question all about Gio Reyna and his best position. So stick around for Gio Reyna chat. And so here's the thing. We may not see Gio Reyna because everybody else is fit and ready to go. Unless, Taylor, yeah. unless Bundesliga teams have five substitutions they can make. Which they do. Maybe. Possibly. We'll find that out tomorrow, correct? Yes. So, depending on when you hear this, uh, May 14th. May 14th, which is a... I have trouble with days of the week at the moment. Thursday? Mm-hmm. Thursday, May 14th. There is a DFL meeting, and this is according to a DFL statement... At this meeting on May 14th, a decision will be taken on increasing the substitution quota to five players for the current season after the IFAB, the International Football Association Board, has opened up the possibility. I'm pretty confident they're going to do it because why wouldn't you want to do it given the situation? 
I mean, the only argument would be like tradition and maybe slowing the game down a little bit. I think aside from that, it, there wouldn't be really many logical counters because it is an opportunity to get more players uh, opportunities to play. But obviously, it alleviates some of the fitness uh, concerns that you are going to have. Yeah, because it's kind of the point of it, right? Rotate is a bit to, more, yeah. Yeah, take the pressure off the players. When you said uh, when you said one of the concerns might be slowing the game down a little mm-hmm. bit, are, are you aware of the only three substitution spots? Rule. Yeah, I'm saying I think that that would be like one of the reasons why people might be on the surface opposed to it. But then like if you read more about it, that's yeah. not really a justification. Essentially, to your question of who would oppose this, I'm saying I don't really think there's a reason to yeah. aside from ignorance. <laughs> yeah, you're essentially saying uninformed people might oppose it, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Sort of like some of the people gathering at uh, the Michigan capital. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there is something like the Bundesliga is all about tradition. We know that. And that is partially why they're doing things the way they're doing it. We'll talk about that again later. But uh, that's, I guess, the only argument is like, well, no, it's always been three. It will stay three until everybody else makes us do five. Fair enough. I mm. I think they're going to vote on May 14th yeah. um, to go with five subs because I think the clubs will want it. And I also think it works in it works in America's favor because it means there's more chance of Gio Reyna and other young Americans who we might talk about later um, seeing some minutes in the Bundesliga. And plus Reyna's just been doing really well recently anyway, right? He, I mean, recently, you mean? Like, well, as in I mean, not in the last the 61 days. Yeah. I mean, but I think that, Honestly, that's kind of where I am with it. Is like no, because no one has been doing really well recently. Well, so I mean, it's like, I meant up to up to the mm-hmm. middle of March when everything closed down. Yeah, I'm not trying to be difficult here, but it's not the middle of March. You have all these people back, and I like. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I don't know how much like the form at the exact moment the league stopped is going to factor into it. I said earlier, I think it will because if you're that manager, you do have that recency in your head. Yeah. they were doing oh, you're it. About McKinney, before, right? yeah. yeah, they do have that. Like. Like, yeah, they were doing it before we shut down, so why not let them keep going? But I also do wonder if, like, some of that was because the circumstances required Gio Reyna to be playing, not necessarily because that was the ideal player to have in there. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'll make this bet, though. With nine sure. games to go um, and fitness being a weird issue with the two-month break, we will see Gio Reyna at some point. We just don't know if it will be this weekend yeah. against Schalke. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair because the other thing I haven't read much about is like if they expand it to five, I'm assuming that the number of subs you can have though, like the number of uh, alternate players, is still going to be what like seven, eight, something like that. So yeah. it, it, it then like it would make more sense. Regular match squad. Yeah, I, I would feel I think slightly better about guaranteeing that Rain is going to get playing time if they like expanded that too. That if you could have eleven players on the bench and five get to play. Like, there's more chance that, like, if you're chasing a game and you need an attacker, you can put him on, uh, as opposed to if you maybe have a limited number of attackers and defenders, which you would with seven subs, maybe he doesn't make that seven just because of all the numbers you mentioned. All right, before we move on, Taylor, let's talk about today's sponsor. Let's today's do it. Today's Total Soccer Show is sponsored by Podium Wear. If you've been listening to the Total Soccer Show recently, you will have heard all about Podium Wear, a family-owned business in St. Paul, Minnesota, sponsoring the Total Soccer Show. That's right. They provide custom designs and a full line of soccer apparel, all made to order, as Daryl said, in that factory in St. Paul. Uh, in normal times, we talk about how great this process is, how your experience ordering for you or your clubs, uh, your kids' teams, excuse me, will be made infinitely easier by them. But they have uh, pivoted, as have uh, many people, to adjust to the times to creating uh, COVID-19 uh, face masks. Not COVID-19 branded, but in response to it. And I think maybe the Bundesliga could take them up on it, because, Daryl, did you see that it is a requirement? Not on the field, but that like all the coaches and bench players be wearing face masks. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. And I also, I read a couple of things. I don't know how 
um, official it is, I read that the subs need to maintain two meters of social distancing, yep. <laughs> as, as do the coaching staff, yep. but also that coaching staff can lower their masks if they want to yell instructions onto the field, but then they have to put their masks back up. <laughs> oh, yeah. There will still be ball kids, by the way. And I think they also have to have masks and occasionally disinfect their hands and maybe the ball they're holding. This is all going to be very strange. Isn't it? it is. So, it is. But if they need to get, maybe they want some like themed uh, masks. Maybe it's like Dortmund hosting. They're responsible for the ball kids. Maybe they want some some bright yellow masks to make their ball kids look Dortmund themed and also like Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. Then uh, our friends at Podium Wear would have them covered because they've got the the custom masks that you can order and, and uh, I believe design uh, to basically uh, go with the color scheme you want so you can support the club the way you want while still practicing the uh, the current norms. So, yeah, you can customize masks for a team or you can buy one just for yourself if you're mm. not planning to be um, a ball boy or ball girl um, <laughs> at Dortmund this weekend. Um, if you want to check them out, go to podiumwear.com and there you can get your custom mask today. You should also bookmark podiumwear.com for when all this is over, fingers crossed, and you're ready to order your next soccer kit. That's podiumwear.com. Please check them out today. They're supporting the Total Soccer Show. That they are, my friend. Thank you very much to Podium Wear for sponsoring today's episode. Daryl, where shall we go next? Or shall we stay with Dortmund uh, and Schalke? I don't have anything else to say about Dortmund-Schalke until after the game. Do you have right. anything else you want to uh, talk about Dortmund-Schalke? I, I do not. So I'm going to take us to Leipzig. Let's keep talking about uh, teams where we can then talk about Americans. Um, <laughs> because the, I've been, I think, slightly positive on this show so far. This is where I get a little bit negative. Because my, my, my question I have, the thing I'm interested in seeing when it comes to Leipzig is how much they're going to suffer because of this two-month break. And I think there are a lot of teams that maybe will benefit because they get players back and they kind of have different options. But for Leipzig, a team, I go back to that remedy quote, Leipzig, a team that are very much based on patterns of play, drilling it in, knowing exactly where you need to be in the exact right moment and having that team cohesiveness and coordination, you don't have that right now. Even if they've had some training, they certainly don't have it the way they did at the moment the uh, the league was postponed. So how quickly or if they're able to recover that, I think we'll get a good idea of that this weekend. And it may well be that they destroy uh, and, and are totally fine with it. It may also be that they struggle and you see a little bit of players being uncertain where they need to be at any given moment. I think I disagree with you. I think okay. Leipzig's style is really well suited because I think, so for people who don't know, the Leipzig style is very much the Red Bull style, right? Mm-hmm. Which is we play quite direct. And if we give up possession, it doesn't matter because we're going to swarm and win the ball back. And I agree that needs some coordination, but they also have been practicing this for literally years, right? This is the style they've been playing for years. I don't think it takes that long for it to, for it to come back. And I th- so they're at home versus Freiburg this weekend, 9.30 uh, kickoff. That's on TUDN. Um, I think if, say, Freiburg or any team is coming out a little cautiously, a little like, oh, let's feel our way into this new post, mm-hmm. this, this new like opening back up world, I think Leipzig could be the team that steamrolls someone because they have such a sort of high energy oppressive system. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't necessarily disagree, but I also don't fully agree with you. Like, I think a lot of that is, well, it could be this and it might be that. And I think yeah, just yeah. as just as likely is like, yeah, if they haven't trained and you've got some people coming back from injury, you don't have those. Like, so, so but to everybody your point, hasn't about, trained, right? So it's that's yeah, the same but, for but everybody doesn't have a system based on like, if I step here, you step there and he moves over there and now everybody's covered. And it requires that level of sort of coordination. And if one of those players yeah. is a yard slow, 
then that player is open by a yard. And That's so, so it could well be that they're totally fine and, and like the swarming defense is an easier thing to do. It is what Jurgen Klopp like focused on when he took over Liverpool and then the attacking came later. So maybe they're able to do that. But I want to see if that fluidity in the press and then their ability to attack from there with the same sort of openness of options remains. So, I mean, yeah, you and I could argue this endlessly, right? The yeah. fact is, we, we just don't know, so we're we speculating. But it is a thing that people should keep an eye on. Um, if you flick over to TUDN, which I hope you do to maybe catch Tyler Adams in action, um, then take a look to see, is the Leipzig press in full effect? Or does it look a bit sloppy and wobbly because they haven't been practicing it? So that'll be interesting <laughs> to find out. When I watch mm-hmm. RB Leipzig, I will be really interested to see, are we looking at a fully recovered firing on all cylinders Tyler Adams because there has been a history of injuries with Tyler Adams right he's had the adductor problems um, he was out for a lot of the season um, until early 2020 he got what four games in a row he'd had one before the winter break so he had five games in a row then he had a calf injury and missed another three games and then he was back in the match day squad just before um, coronavirus hit I'm hoping that finally having this long enforced break gave Tyler Adams an extra little window to recover. And this is just, this is an optimistic take, but mm. I'm really hoping we see Tyler Adams at 100%. Is there is there any way to know for sure that he's at 100 percent aside from like if he starts and just plays the whole game? Is that what you'll be looking for? Are you looking for like bursts of pace or just things that maybe make you feel like, oh, he's 100 percent good to go. He is solid. I mean, the games that, you know, when he did have that run of five games, there were games where he really did look 100 percent. He looked mm-hmm. solid. But then he got injured, right? So it's more about him being able to perform the way he performed in those five games and then not us read on the internet a day later yeah. that he's hurt his calf in, in doing so. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I really want him so rested up that the, uh, the, the, uh, the punishment you put your body through during a game, both from uh, what the opposition does to you, but also just what you do to yourself in terms of sprinting and turning and sprinting and cutting, um, that he's healed up enough that there are no more injuries. Um, I mean, because we know what Tyler Adams looks like when he's in full flight, right? Mm -hmm. He's sort of, as soon as the opposition has the ball, he's on you as if he has some sort of magic teleportation system. Um, And And if you want want to enjoy his games, remember we had Snaves, Adam Whisker Snavely in the studio, mm -hmm. and he said Tyler Adams is like if someone revved up a chainsaw and then let it loose on the field. That's the best description of Tyler Adams I've ever heard. Is it really? Because I feel like with the chainsaw, I think of like that also... Like connotes violence, like like he's gonna go in and destroy people. Yeah. Like I think of Roy Keane as being an unleashed chainsaw. I think of Tyler Adams as being like delicate hedge clippers or something like that. How about a chainsaw operated by a surgeon? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, I'll be interested as a. I don't to want worried. that surgery, by the way. I just want to clarify. <laughs> I'll be interested. That's what haircuts will be like when we go back to having haircuts. Um, I'll be interested as opposed to worried about Tyler Adams' position for Mm -hmm. RB Leipzig. Like with Weston McKinney, anywhere except central midfield, I'm a little concerned that he's playing out of position, right? Wherever RB Leipzig play Tyler Adams, I'm kind of happy because he seems to excel whatever he's doing, whether it's like defensive midfield number six, whether it's that weird like sort of a right back, but sort of a sort of a right side of a diamond midfield position that he had uh, towards the end there. Um, I don't mind where it is, but I'm interested to see what the role is because under Nagelsmann, the tactics are nice and complicated, right? So everybody always has a really interesting, tactically innovative role. Yeah. and, and, And so I think like, with all that in mind, it's a strange situation because, like, 
I don't know. If you ask me right now, like, who is the American in the best position at, like, the strongest club, it's difficult because you could make an argument for lots of different people. But to your point, like, maybe McKinney's getting played out of position. Maybe Tyler Adams is getting played in, like, a number of different spots. There's not really, like, that one big, like, oh, Christian Pulisic is definitely not even he. But you know what I mean? Like, this person is going to start here for sure. We know that. And so maybe the best way to look at it is almost like, I'm excited to have Tyler Adams on the field. That's, like, number one level. And then number two level is like, oh, he's playing central midfield. That's really exciting. And then number three is like, oh, he's playing this specific type of central midfield. Like, number one for me is let's just get some Americans playing soccer. That's where I am. (laughs) Then number two, I'll care about position. I mean, in terms of league position and regular starts, it probably is Tyler Adams, right? Because I don't know if Mm -hmm. we actually said this, but Leipzig are only one point behind Dortmund, which means they're five points behind Bayern Munich. They are very much in the title race. They certainly are. Yeah, and so that's why it's exciting. I, it's exciting to the idea of an American who could potentially be starting for a team that could potentially be challenging for the Bundesliga title. I would yeah. enjoy that very much. Uh, so I, I am, I think, mostly just really excited to have Tyler Adams back, and and I yeah. hope that he destroys all in front of him the way a surgeon with a chainsaw would. <laughs> same, same. And then yeah. if you're watching RB Leipzig, they're playing Freiburg this weekend. Don't sleep on Freiburg. They are somehow eighth in the Bundesliga, um, so they're they're not having a bad season at all. Um, but we saw a lot of RB Leipzig before the break, right? Because they played Spurs in the Champions League. The guy that really caught my eye is not Timo Werner, who everybody's talking about, but Christopher Nkunku. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Christopher Nkunku? Um, I remember him. I tried to sign him in every iteration of FIFA, and they will never sell him. Because <laughs> they're smart, right? They yes. don't want to sell. Yes. Um, I'm really interested, because I still can't figure out exactly what position he plays. He's not a striker. He's not a winger. He's not a central midfielder. He's some sort of weird in-between attacking midfielder that seems really, really smart, really explosive, and really does some damage. So it's mostly I'm intrigued to watch Christopher Nkunku because yeah. I think we have a really big star in the making here. Is, is, it, is it fair to say maybe that like with a team like Leipzig, where, as we've talked about, you've got kind of pressing and moving all over the place... It stands to reason, then, that they have more players than normal who are sort of, well, he could be this and he might be that, but he also plays there. Like There seems like there's a lot of uh, personnel and versatility when it comes to RB Leipzig. Yeah, I think flexibility and versatility is key for RB Leipzig, but then they only sign players who can play that system to begin with. True. And then once once you understand the concept of that system, I think a lot of players can fit in a lot of different places after that. Um, Speaking of... I'm interested in Danny Olmo as well. Does that name ring any bells to you? It does. I'm laughing because I'm fascinated to hear why Danny Olmo is on your radar. Because Leipzig have a good track record of making really good signings of up-and-coming players that they can right. later then sell on. Now right? I see where we're going. Yes, but I'm with da- you. Danny Olmo, he's this former Barcelona player, right? He came through La Masia. Then he went out to, um, is it Zagreb? I, think, I know he went out to Croatia. And then this January, RB Leipzig paid 22 million euros to bring him in. He's this like tall number 10. And I watched him several times and he was rubbish for RB Leipzig. He was absolutely (laughs) rubbish. Um, So I'm really interested to see, does the break do him good? Was it just like a bit of a false start and maybe having two months to just settle in? Do we see the best of Danny Olmo or do we see a big mistake in the transfer market from RB Leipzig? Yeah, I want to... Not to that degree with Danny Olmo, but the the player that I would throw in in this similar category would be Patrick Schick, who I saw Rafael Honigstein write as like a, like a potential future Ballon d'Or winner in the list of players that like they have who are young and very, very promising. And I feel like everything I've seen from Patrick Schick has been fine, but it never makes me feel like, oh yeah, this is a guy that they he definitely was, should have signed and can do things. He was good against Spurs, if mm-hmm. I remember that, those Champions League two legs. So I think, that, yeah, I think Schick has a... 
Schick, I'm a lot more optimistic about than Danny Olmo. Put it that way. Right. Based on those, those are the two that I think like I, I want to see to better understand if they're good or bad and how they fit into the system. So yeah, those are those yeah. are two like lesser known ones maybe that I, I, I want to keep an eye on this weekend. And maybe Sam Tai can watch and see if he can finally watch a good performance from Upemakano. <laughs> do you remember Sam Tai saying that on our show? Oh, I'm, yes, I do. And I'm so, excited for that not to happen. If people don't know, Upemakano is this really highly rated centre-back uh, for Leipzig. I think he missed at least one of the Spurs games with injury or suspension, so he didn't get to see him. Yep. But Sam, who is an avid watcher of many, 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 many games, right? I really trust his eye and I trust that he pays attention and watches more soccer than most people. He keeps saying that he hears Mpumakano being really highly rated, but every time he watches him, he just looks no good. So I think I'd like, I'd like for Sam to know whether the whole world is pulling a trick on him or if it's just bad luck. I'm glad that in your things you're excited with the Bundesliga returning, Sam Ty's well-being and, uh, and, and, and mental acuity when it comes to scouting players <laughs> is, is first and foremost. Thank you for that, Daryl. Um, actually, if you'll permit me, I've got one mm. little sidetrack that I'm interested in is what happens to the Bundesliga in terms of UK viewership? Because, what do you think? I mean, I think people are going to watch it this weekend that haven't watched it before or haven't paid much attention before. This is based on a survey of my dad and two friends. <laughs> <laughs> so most people in England don't watch the Bundesliga, one, because the Premier League just dominates, right? Everybody just watches the Premier League all the time. Two, it's not like they have the young Americans that they're interested in watching, like we are, right? We'd, we watch a lot because it's Tyler Adams, Josh Sargent, Weston McKenney, Christian Pulisic back in the day. Um, but right now, the only live sport that English people can watch this weekend is going to be when they screen the Bundesliga. It has been deemed so important that they're lifting the ban on showing uh, games that kick off around three o'clock um, on television in the UK. So... They can watch these games now. There, there are fewer obstacles in place. Uh, do you think they will? Do you think that there is there is that interest, or is there the general sort of like England does it best? Like, oh, who cares? This is like Germans are just waiting for the Premier League. Why aren't we playing? Well, I told you I did the informal survey, right? Uh, of my dad and my two friends, Hugh and Pete. Um, yeah. who you know, I my wrote down is- Hugh and Pete. That was my guess for who it was. <laughs> My dad is pumped to watch the Bundesliga, which he has yeah. never watched before. I explained to him that Jaden Sancho plays for Borussia Dortmund mm-hmm. and that it's a local derby. He is all set to watch it at uh, 2.30 UK time on all Saturday. Right. So my dad's going to watch his first Bundesliga. It's even the channel that you watch it on normally, BT Sport, is £30 a month. Um, so my parents don't have it. BT Sport is screening it for free. I think just in an attempt to like, uh, like raise the profile a little bit, but also maybe a gift to the British public who've been on a more strict lockdown that we have been here in the US. Um, I asked, so I'm in a group text chat with my friends, Hugh and Pete, big football fans, but you know, they don't watch Bundesliga. I asked, will you be watching it? First text back from Pete. I'm sure he won't mind me reading this out. On it like a car bonnet. <laughs> all right. All right. So uh, Pete is in. What about Hugh? Think I will support Frankfurt. They are twinned with Birmingham. What? So, you know, like, um, this happens in Europe a lot. Uh, cities are twinned. So, like, the yeah. city councils Sister will have cities. a relationship. Yeah. Sister cities. Yeah, that's what we have here, yeah. Um, so, the twin for Birmingham is Frankfurt. So, Hugh's going to be watching and supporting Eintracht Frankfurt, who I believe are on television on, uh, looking at my notes, they're the 12.30 Eastern, uh, US Eastern uh, kickoff, Frankfurt against Borussia Mönchengladbach. All right. I, I only ask uh, about their responses because your first uh, indicator of people being excited about the Bundesliga was your father. Your father, after you explained to him why he should be excited, and I was wondering if the uh, the one hundred percent enthusiasm rate had something to do with you hyping the Bundesliga to all the people involved. Uh, no, in which case, you should be getting paid. 
it was more just there's no live sports. No, my dad keeps saying no live sports. He just yeah. can't believe that there's not a single sport that he can watch live. So when he knew that he finally had some uh, proper German football to watch, he was all in. And I, I kind of just wanted to give him something to watch out for. Right, um, so right. I, get, I gave him Jaden Sancho. There we are. So I yeah, was, I think Car- I was going to Carl- give him Adam Ola-Luckman, but I don't think he's going to play for Leipzig. Yeah, probably not. I, th- I think <laughs> I think Jaden Sancho is probably the one to keep an eye on. Uh, and then I think uh, Karl Heinz Rummenigge agrees because he is expecting uh, lots of people to be tuning in uh, to your initial question. I think he said that there's a chance they'll get more than like the World Cup gets in terms of viewership this weekend because there will be so many people desperate for sport. Yeah, everybody's desperate, right? Your alarm's going off at eight thirty. Mine's going off around <laughs> the same time. We're all ready to go. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, again, <laughs> I apologize to parents who were waking up at 5 a.m. and hearing us talk about setting the alarm for 8.30. <laughs> I'm sorry for that. Um, and I would then like to uh, say that if you are maybe feeling anxious about missing those games or maybe oversleeping or something like that, if you've got a little bit of an anxiety, Daryl, then today's sponsor may, uh, may help because we've got Sunday Scaries to talk about. Sunday hey. Scaries are specially formulated CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that are super consumable and easy to take on the go. Uh, I... I would like to take the Sunday Scaries to calm down my nervousness about the fact that my Sunday Scaries have not yet arrived. I know yours <laughs> have, Daryl, uh, so I'm yeah. hoping that you are feeling less anxious. Well, so I found out, this, this is rough, but I've, I've got to be honest for the advertiser, mm-hmm. right? Um, I can't eat the gummies because of my Uh-oh. ostomy. Mm-hmm. They, they, I just can't eat gummies because they, uh, they, they will not come out the other side. So it's, <laughs> it's not a good idea. But my package did come with um, a YOLO shot oh boy. of energy drink and CBD. So it's not going to be about relaxing and unwinding, but I'm assuming that energy drink plus CBD will give me a sort of um, energy but focus, right? That, that's what I'm, that's I, what I would I'm say. For. I would say relaxed energy and focus, yes. And I'm thinking that might be a good way to watch the Bundesliga on Saturday. Yes, I would say so. Or to read. is It's also because it makes you be like, I don't know about that. I want to read more. I've definitely had that mm. feeling before. And I think it does lead to creative expression and a lot of enthusiasm. So I'm really excited for the 400 text messages I'm going to get from you about the games this weekend. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just the normal amount, right? <laughs> that is true. If I'm, if, I'm, if I'm really focused up. Um, maybe, maybe I'll uh, drink that uh, energy drink plus CBD YOLO drink mm-hmm. when I read chapter three of the age of football the david goldblatt yeah. book yeah I, that seems like, I like the, it seems like the way to go i mean in the list of copy points here one of the things cbd can help you do is concentrate on what matters and what matters this weekend is the bundesliga <laughs> so this should work out <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so if you'd like to get 25% off your first order, uh, you can do so with the code soccer at sundayscaries.com. That's 25% off your first order at sundayscaries.com and enter code soccer where it asks for a coupon code on the checkout page. And worth mentioning um, that Sunday Scaries have recently launched Cabin Scaries to promote social distancing and responsible isolation. And a portion of the sales will be donated to BEAP, the Bartender Emergency Assistance Program to help displaced hospitality workers. So you can focus up or relax and you can know that you're helping uh, displaced hospitality workers. And one more time, you can go to sundayscaries.com and use the code SOCCER for 25% off your first order. Thank you to Sunday Scaries for sponsoring today's show. By the way, Sunday Scaries is also what Union Berlin will have when Bayern Munich roll into town. Oh, you've transitioned us perfectly. Let's talk Bayern Munich then, because yes, they will. That's going to be uh, that's going to be a big one. Uh, and I'm like I... shocked by the smoothness of my transition, as if oh, I'm not did... as if I'm not a professional tailor. 
I mean, you know, sometimes sometimes you forget what we were talking about right before we got to the ad. <laughs> um, but in this case, I do think that uh, Union Berlin are uh, in, in for a game, is how I'll say it, because... Um, I was reading a lot of this is informed by an article, uh, an interview Raphael Honigstein did with Thomas Muller, um, in which they, they go kind of deep on why Bayern have had this turnaround, why they've been so much more successful under Hansi Flick, and specifically why Thomas Muller has been more successful. Mm. And and in reading so that, for, for those who don't mm-hmm. know, I think there's, we do need to add backstory here because people oh, are yeah, thinking call. about the Bundesliga mm-hmm. who maybe haven't paid attention before. So uh, Niko Kovac was the head coach to start the season. Um, do it. He did not have a good start to the season. We were there in Frankfurt for yeah. the game where they lost, what, 5-1, I want to say? Um, and Kovac was fired immediately afterwards. Hansi Flick comes in as sort of interim coach for Bayern Munich. He was, he was the assistant to Yogi Love, the German national team. And he now it's gone so well, he has the job full time, right? That's the reason Bayern are top of the league is because Hansi Flick um, is in charge. Yeah. And, and then the, the kind of specifics to sort of give you the distillation of that article that I think Muller, Muller was doing his best to be diplomatic. Like he's, he doesn't talk about Kovac. He says like in normal circumstances, you would never be asked about your boss that was fired. Like, why should I talk about that and risk alienating a relationship? It's a great interview. That's he a great is, point. That's really dude, interesting. I, I feel very I – t- I texted – oh, this is what started me texting with Manuel today. I, I do think that guy goes into coaching because he has the, like, attention to detail but also the sort of, like, warm character that you maybe need to motivate your players but then you've kind of got that focus. And then on top of that, he is a crazy person and you need <laughs> a little bit of the crazy when you want a good manager. Um, but one of the things he talked about with Hansi Flick, Hanekstein seemed to be kind of trying to draw a line, like – connecting like the success under Guardiola with their current success. And he was basically saying that like there is a little bit of similarity there in that Guardiola was so detail oriented and so obsessed with like specific instructions that when you have that, you sort of know how to operate a little bit better. This does inform sort of where I'm coming from with Leipzig, that Muller was arguing that like basically we drill more, he gives us more specific instructions, so I know where I need to be. And he sort of built our team such that the tactics suit the individual talents we have, and that really does explain why they've kind of been able to turn things around and look like such a fluid attacking team. So sorry, say again, I thought you were talking about Guardiola. What, what has Hansi Flick done specifically? It's, it's, he is more in the line of Pep Guardiola. I think I Mulder himself acknowledges like no one goes into the detail that Pep Guardiola does, but then that's also why there is burnout because he's constantly asking them to do this and change that and this isn't good enough and this needs to be better. Yeah. And I think the implication was that there's that kind of fine line you have to balance and it seems like Hansi Flick balances it really well of doing the same stuff over and over again that you have to do so that everybody knows exactly how to play, but then lightening it up enough that people are still enjoying it and it doesn't feel oppressive. And it seems like that's where they were before the quarantine, the shutdown happened. The question is, will they be able to pick that back up to the level that they can sort of have that domination that we kind of thought they were going to have uh, when the lockdown occurred? With all due respect to Bayern fans, I hope not. I want a yep. title race. Because even, mm-hmm. even a faltering Bayern will still challenge for the title, right? I would love for this to be a three-way thing between Munich, uh, Dortmund, yeah. and Leipzig, uh, where they're all sort of you know going for it right up until the last day of the season. Assuming we do get all the way to the last day of the season. 
Assuming we do, and I, and yeah. I hope we do. But yeah. I, I would also say that, like, I kind of hope Byron slip as well because we've talked about Dortmund, the talent they have, but decent chance they're going to lose some of that talent, at least a couple players, maybe just one, but at least some of it. Uh, Leipzig as well. We keep hearing rumors about Timo Werner leaving. I'm sure they're going to get some other offers for other players, whereas Byron, we hear about Leroy Sana happening, some other players. I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, some other players coming in. So it's almost like Byron are already in a stronger position for the next season, whereas everybody else yeah. is sort of trying to scramble to finish out this season and I mean, so if you want to welcome to the Bundesliga that's the yeah. story of the Bundesliga right <laughs> Dortmund and Leipzig are losing their biggest players yeah even though they're the like you know the, mm-hmm. the team's challenging for the title and Bayern are planning to buy other teams best players yeah so I hope I'm wrong I hope Union Berlin like surprise everybody and and even though I want West McKinney I want West McKinney to like score and have a good game but Dortmund win 2-1 there we uh, go. Bayern lose Leipzig win and now we're all good uh sticking with Bayern for a moment though uh, yeah. an area that I feel like you will have more to say and more enthusiasm uh for than just generally Bayern's tactics would be Bayern's right backs that is an area I'm going to be watching with uh, a lot of interest because we have uh, Benjamin Pavar, who we talk about a lot as being a right back but can also play center back. The other option would be uh, Odria Zola, who they loaned in from Real Madrid. But we keep hearing reports about Serginho Dest joining Bayern Munich. Uh, increasingly reliable reports. He is linked with other clubs. I think Tottenham are maybe in the mix as well. Yeah. But this does seem like an area that Bayern are looking to strengthen. And so... Maybe if we see some slip-ups, I just want to see, like, like does he fit in with what Bayern are doing under Hansi Flick? And would he be a good fit as a long-term right-back option? So you want to see, like, Adria Zola fall over, maybe? Yeah, that'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it's like somehow think... Pavard and Odrio Zola both get megged in the lead-up to the goal <laughs> that sees Union Berlin win 1-0, and then suddenly Sergio Des route is cleared. The rare double meg. I mean, what will really happen <laughs> if those right-backs have a nightmare is Joshua yeah. Kimmich will have to give up his midfield dreams and go back yeah. to playing right-back, right? At least in the, in the short term. I kind of think, I've been thinking about this, It'd be great to see Serginho Dest at Bayern, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't mind seeing another year at Ajax, right? The, yep. So the Dutch league has been officially suspended, right? It's not, it's not going to be played out. Dest kind of played, what, half of Ajax's games? They didn't get to actually win the league. He wasn't always brilliant. I think he could go for another year yep. at Ajax and still learn a lot about himself as a footballer, learn a lot about being a first-team footballer and just gain a lot from play, being Ajax's starting right-back for a year. So I don't, yeah, I, mean, I don't think it would be a bad thing if he didn't go to Bayern. No, I don't either. I mean, I think if he went to Bayern with the sort of understanding, like almost what I assume Alfonso Davies had, obviously, at a younger age, but the like, I'm going there, I'm very good, I'm going to get better, I'm not going to be the immediate starter, but if I work really yeah. hard, learn the system, then maybe I will be. Like, maybe that approach is okay, because then he's going to get some minutes, but it's obviously going to increase his familiarity with the squad and the likelihood to get selected. But, I, but I, I, there's Fonzie Davies, for, Fonzie mm-hmm. Davies had absolutely done everything he was going to do and learned yeah. everything he was going to oh, learn yeah. with Vancouver, right? It was, time, yeah, yeah. it was time to go. Yeah, it's not even about the move. It's more about, like, your perspective when you make that move. Of, like, are, if, if Serginho Dest was going in there and thinking, like, that's it, I'm starting for Bayern Munich now, and then he's told, like, no, it's going to take a year of you learning to play the system, and then maybe you'll get some starts, like, in the second half of the season. That's a big difference from, I'm going to go in and yeah. work really hard, and maybe I'll get to the starting spot. And if he doesn't really have that mentality, then, yeah, I'm happy with him staying in Ajax yeah. and being a starter and being in the Champions League, potentially. I mean, win that spot off of Masrawi first, right? Because that's not, <laughs> yeah, even, right? that's not <laughs> even decided yet. Um, worth noting, again, if you're very new to the Bundesliga, Alfonso Day- Davies is a Canadian, mm-hmm. um, basically winger, but he's playing left back for Bayern Munich and has been one of Bayern's best players yep. um, leading up to before everything shut down. 
if you're just a CONCACAF fan or, uh, I don't know, I'm not a Canada fan, but they're just so close to the US that I'm interested in Canada. Um, Alfonso Davies, even if you're not interested, is just fun to watch, right? He's an enjoyable footballer to watch. So keep an eye on Alfonso Davies if you watch Bayern Munich on Sunday. Yeah, and, and with that in mind, thank you for, for going a little bit deeper on Alfonso Davies because for like me personally... I kept sort of being confused why, like, Alfonso Davies is now a left back because David Alaba is now a center back. And, and that seemed like a thing that was, like, uh, forced out of necessity under Kovac because they had injuries and they didn't have the depth that they wanted and they get rid of Mats Hummels and stuff like that. But learning more about it, it's basically, it's the Pep Guardiola thing of, no, I just want ball-playing defenders. And David Alaba yeah. is a very good ball-playing defender, so I'm going to play him at center back, and that's probably where he's going to stay. So that, that sort of adjustment, I think, gives good insight into Hansi Flick, but also maybe can tell us a bit about how Serginho Des could fit in uh, if he's not able to throw over Masraoui, but how Alfonso Davies certainly already has fit in. I've got one more thing on Bayern that I am really excited about. Every time I'd seen Bayern in 2020, Thiago in central midfield uh-huh. looked like he was next level. Yep. He looked like he was, he seemed to constantly be receiving the ball and taking a couple of touches and escaping players every single time. I feel like Thiago was really hitting his peak and if we assume that he's still in good form, I'll, I will watch Bayern just to watch Thiago in action in central midfield. And I I'm think gonna, other people should do the same. I'm going to connect some dots real fast, Daryl. Uh, who brought Thiago to Bayern Munich? Josep Guardiola. That is correct. And who was the man that Thomas Muller said is now managing the team the way Pep Guardiola did? That would be Hansi Flick. So I think it's also probably not surprising then that the man who has sort of gone back to what Pep Guardiola established to some extent is probably utilizing the player that Pep Guardiola specifically handpicked yeah. to help with that transition. That, yeah, that, pro- that makes sense. That makes, that makes sense total to sense, man. I hadn't really put that together until you mentioned that. It's like, oh, of course, Thiago is better when he's playing a Barcelona system with a coach who like learned how to coach from Pep Guardiola or learned a lot from Pep Guardiola, at least. Certainly not everything. But that makes a lot of sense. Oh, man, I'm even more excited than I already was. Hooray. <laughs> Anything else on Bayern? I've got another big thing because i've got another big thing i want to get to let's get to that other big thing all right i oversold it it's not that big but i'm interested (laughs) to see what are the german phrases that players yell at each other during a game oh dude good call because we are there's no fans there's going to be um there'll be commentary but unfortunately it won't be ian joy or keith costigan it'll be the world feed fox i think are like cutting back on some uh expenses they're just going with the world feed Um, But we will hear the players yelling at each other. We will hear the coaches yelling at the players. And I'd just love to know what what the phrases are that get yelled during a German game. Dude, I might, with that in mind, I might try to assemble like a, a German soccer phrases guide that maybe we could like, if I, if I get it done in time, I'll tweet it out so people can have that handy. But just because you would do that thing where like you turn on the radio station and you hear the person talking and it takes you a minute to realize it is indeed English because you've come in mid-sentence and your brain takes a second to calibrate. No, but okay. You've never done that before? Uh. Yeah, like, no, so, sometimes, like, if I'm listening to a song, but I, like, turn it on mid-song and I'm not familiar with it, it takes me a minute to recognize, like, a word I know that tells me it, it's it's English oh, for sure. yeah. And so with this, even if you kind of know some German phrases, I bet having it, like, written out so you know exactly what they're saying would help a lot. I might really do that so I can learn, like, ooh, he's getting yelled at. That's not good. You could, Actually, what you could do is when you talk to Manuel next uh-huh. week, maybe ask him for a few that people should be listening out for. Because it's worth remembering, unless everything goes wrong, there'll be a whole nother weekend mm-hmm. of German football next weekend. There, there sure will. <laughs> <laughs> and one after that. And one after that. Hopefully. Times nine, <laughs> right? Times nine. Oh, man, that's a good shout, Daryl. Yeah. Uh, I have, I have one, one more for you that I'm excited about from this yeah, weekend. Yeah, what you got? Uh, basically, the time is now for Josh Sargent, and I am determined to see him hit the ground running. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because 
essentially he has a point to prove one way or the other because Werder Bremen <laughs> uh, at, at at current level are I believe uh, second bottom. Uh, yeah, they get in. Uh, just yeah, just before the the, sh- the lockdown, they were on a five match winless streak, uh, two goals for, eleven against. So they need the turnaround. Obviously, um, will they get it? I don't know, but I think this is a very important time for Josh Sargent to show that he can score goals. He can be a capable Bundesliga performer, not just to help uh, Werder Bremen fight off relegation, but as we've sort of seen with like Bobby Wood, if you establish that you can play at a certain level, you can kind of jump ship if and when that team gets relegated. If Josh Sargent scores a few goals in the second half of this season, maybe a team will kind of roll the dice on him because I don't know if Werder Bremen are going to be able to turn it around, but I do know I want Josh Sargent to remain in the Bundesliga. I have a more specific concern about right. Josh Sargent, and it's a concern that Florian Kofeld, the Werder Bremen coach, uh, shares with me. So okay. I don't know if people remember this. Again, just before the shutdown, Josh Sargent scored a magnificent goal for Werder Bremen. Can you oh, picture I forgot it? about that. He yeah, sort of receives it, yeah. he spins around, and he fires it from quite far out, like maybe top of the D into the bottom left corner, makes it Werder Bremen 1, I think it was Hertha Berlin 0, right? This would have been huge if uh, if Werder could have won this game. It finishes 2-2, right? After the game, here's a quote from Florian Kofeld. It's kind of a long quote, but I think it's really, really... Um, it, it tells a lot about what's going on with Josh Sargent. So you ready? Here's what Kofeld said after the game. It worked so well in the beginning that Hertha played every ball along the line and we were able to walk the one behind. So he's talking about sort of uh, the way Verda are defending when Hertha have possession in the back, right? But after 25 Wait, sorry, minutes... sorry, to clarify, what does walk the one behind mean? I'm not 100% sure, but I think it just okay. means like have a screen so that they can't play forward, right? Okay. Um, I think it'll make more sense when you get the rest of it because it puts it all in context. This is a weird like German to English translation, right? But he's basically saying the way we were um, stopping them progressing out of the back to begin with was working, right? Kofeld says... But after 25 minutes, I can see Josh Sargent, so, you know, calling him out by name, oh boy. Su- suddenly attacking the central defender with pace, it's the defender that has the ball, attacking the central defender with pace because he wants to put the pressure on. This means that the eight has to go out, then the wing is free, then the six goes out, and Hertha winger Mateus Cunha comes into the danger area. So he's upset that Josh Sargent didn't essentially stay in shape to contain Herta. He went and pressured the defender and it like the whole system fell apart because Sargent wasn't doing what he'd been asked to do. So then Kofeld says, it has nothing to do with the head, but with the fact that we do not do things that are clearly discussed and that work well as a solution and that sometimes drives me crazy. Why do you get away from it? Again, Sargent not following tactical instructions. It doesn't have anything to do with the. It, it sounds like he basically said, like, it doesn't have anything to do with, like, mental lapses, but it's all about mental lapses. I'm think, confused by that last so sentence there. All the phrasing is weird, right? Because he said it in German and this sure, has been translated right, right. Mm-hmm. into English, right? So it's been essentially Google translated, not by me, but by whoever wrote this uh, article quoting Kofeld. I think he's saying it's not that Sergeant is stupid or it's not that he's, like, can't understand. It's that he's not doing the thing that we know works oh, and we talked sense. about yeah. and we know that it works as a solution to stop her to progressing. He's this, not dumb. He's just forgetting. Yeah, yes, okay. he's I not dumb. He's mm. like just not following the instructions that he under, already definitely understands and he's capable of doing it, but he's decided not to do it. 
Yes. Yeah, that's not great, Daryl. That's not great. No, that I think that's really, really bad. And so the fact that Sargent scores goals or doesn't, I kind of think is less important than whether he just um, follows the tactical system. Because I can't think of a team in Germany that is going to be interested in signing a player that won't follow the coach's tactical instructions. Yeah, no, nor can I. And and so maybe, maybe that's that's the thing to look for if you watch that game on Monday, the Leverkusen game, is does Josh Sargent like seem to be doing what he's what he's asked to be doing and i guess to your other point we'll be able to know if he's not because we'll be able to hear the coach screaming at him because there yep. won't be any fans there i wouldn't be surprised if he's not starting honestly but again yeah. maybe we get five subs maybe he comes in so yeah like you said monday afternoon two thirty eastern verder bremen who are relegation threatened hosting Bayer leverkusen who are really really good and kai, Hav- yep. kai havertz will murder you um, yep. <laughs> with the ball um I think maybe the thing to watch for <laughs> will be... Thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, He's not my, uh, Michael Myers. Just in true. case, yeah. Um, the thing to watch for will be if you see Werder Bremen in a defensive shape and you see one skinny red-headed striker just running yeah. out of that shape and chasing the ball around, then you'll know that Josh Sargent is not following instructions. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. So things to pay attention to. I I'm hope sorry. he does well. I'm going to talk of, like this. That's a bit of a downer, right? But I think it's mm. really important that we know what's going on with Josh Sargent. And his coach, Kofelt, is very specifically telling us um, back in March what's going on with Josh Sargent. So I'm, I'm trying to think about this more. I, I don't know if you'll have an answer. Like, there are varying reasons why a coach would say that and would sort of out the player there. And mm-hmm. they really can, there can be positive ones of like he has enough faith. It could be like the uh, that like the player will turn it around. It could be like the Johan Cruyff thing of like I'm insulting him to see if or not insulting, but I'm criticizing him to see if he'll respond and learn from it. Or it could just be like we're in relegation territory. I'm frustrated. I'm kind of pinning this on him. Yeah. Do, do you have a feeling for or like do you have a thought on which one it might be or maybe even just like a hope of which one it might be? When I'm thinking about why coaches have said certain things, I think it's always worth thinking about what question are they answering, right? Because they don't always choose to put statements out. These aren't like prepared statements that they read to the press, right? Um, And I think the fact that it starts, it works so well in the beginning. It seems to me he's been asked um, what went wrong wrong today, right? But even then, he's still specifically called out Josh Sargent because it seems like Sargent at least... I don't know if maybe the rest of the team also didn't follow the tactical plan, but he seems to think it starts with Josh Sargent. So I think I'd be willing to go as far as saying that it seems that maybe he's sick of Sargent not quite doing what's asked. And he thinks maybe if I put this out, if I name him, name and shame in public, maybe this will get through to him. Yeah, because there's maybe also an implication there that it's a thing they've been working on. Yeah. And that like they've been training. We've done this in training. Why are you forgetting again? You're not dumb. Why mm-hmm. are you forgetting? And maybe that. Yeah, again. Yeah. So okay. things that so are then... clearly discussed and that work well as a solution. It was mm-hmm. the plan. Yeah. But but see, weirdly, it's like it's one of those things where once you know the problem, like it becomes like as soon as you can say like, oh, so he kind of loses track of his defensive responsibilities and doesn't always function within the context of the system. Then you can sort of watch that specifically and see like, oh, no, he's out of position again. He's not learning. I I, I guess in some ways it makes me feel more optimistic to kind of know what he specifically needs to work on. And then we can see if he does. Yeah, I mean, he also talks, there's a, a separate quote where he also talks about, Kofel talks about Sargent um, is really good at securing the ball when it comes into him, but sometimes he loses it with his second touch because he doesn't stay clean and wants to go away again. So he's also saying that Sargent needs to work on his uh, second touch after receiving the ball, which I think is if interesting. This, if, this, if you've been like burying the lead and this interview ends with like, so... Um... If anybody wants to buy Josh Sargent, <laughs> here's my cell number. Then I'm going to feel slightly, uh, slightly deceived. 
Um, I don't have Kofeld's song number okay. to read. Out, All right. Um, I'm afraid. Um, what, what else are you looking for in the Bundesliga then, Taylor? Uh, I am looking forward to uh, players drinking their own individual water bottles, Daryl, because that <laughs> is another one of the rules that has been established. There will be no sharing of water bottles. Everybody has their own. It is assigned. But I'm going to assume there is some flexibility about what they're allowed to put into that water bottle, aside yeah. from performance-enhancing drugs. I'm guessing flavors and ingredients are up to them, which maybe is where today's uh, sponsor comes in handy because we get to talk about Hydrant, my friend. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. I'm guessing like training personnel would have to do that with gloves on. Maybe the players with their own gloves on will be allowed to do that. Uh, we shall see. But they should use some hydrant because it does what you need, and it's got what plants crave. <laughs> it does have what plants crave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I haven't been able to, uh, to sample hydrant uh-uh. yet, but this is the kind of thing I'm into. I yeah. can't drink just plain water. Water yep. is water is not for me. I prefer something with a bit of flavor. And if it's got essential electrolytes like sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc that help me hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day, then I'm all the more for it. <laughs> You're all the more for it. And, Daryl, you do like some research. You do like some science. Yeah. It was developed by Oxford scientists, which I know you like because it makes you feel fancy. Yeah. Does that mean they wear Oxford shirts? Of course. Like <laughs> that's, Oxford. That's, that's all it was. <laughs> it's not that they went to Oxford. It's that they all dress uh, with uh, nice shirts. It, it could be both, right? You could yeah, go could to be. you could go to Oxford and wear an Oxford. Um, <laughs> and when they do their research, they make sure that Hydrant provides perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. No synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, just in case that's Ooh. a concern. And you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. That's right. Uh, so if you want to choose from those and then get 25% off your first order, you can go to drinkhydrant.com slash soccer. That's drinkhydrant.com slash soccer for 25% off your first order. Oh, you said it so well. I want to say it again. It's drinkhydrant.com slash soccer for 25% off your first order. Thank you to Hydrant for sponsoring today's Total Soccer Show. So, Daryl, that was the, I think, end of the list of things that I am excited uh, to see this weekend and beyond. I'm going to guess you've got some more before we get to the questions that we've got uh, in store. I just have one more. What you got? It's a long shot. Mm. But we might see a debut for Ulysses Yanez Mm. at Wolfsburg. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about this. Because I left it off intentionally because I have no idea how that's going to go. So, Ulysses Yanez got a lot of people very excited with his debut performance for the U.S. men's national team in February. It was the January camp, but it's February 1st, right? Um, Against Costa Rica. So left winger with a right foot who loves to dribble at players, cut inside and take a shot. Really genuinely exciting player. He has that X factor, um, wow factor that a lot of American players don't have, right? So this is a player worth being excited about. He's been with Wolfsburg a little while. He's been tearing it up with the U19s. Um, and he's been training with the first team since April. So uh, when they started doing the, you know, everybody back, we're going to do the, the weird training that we're allowed to do. Ulysses Jonas did not go back to Wolfsburg U19s. He went back to the Wolfsburg first team. If the Bundesliga also go with the five subs, I think we see a Ulysses Yanez Bundesliga debut. 
So a lot of, of this, I think, seems to rest on will they uh, permit those five subs and then how will they utilize them? Because yeah. if managers are hesitant or sort of forget that they've got that as an option or it disrupts their usual flow of how they do substitutions and we don't see that, then I feel like we're going to see even fewer appearances by young Americans and youngsters in general uh, because we've got everybody back. You don't have the normal I, injuries. I but I'm hoping least... that they use them. I'm yeah. really hoping that they use them all. I mean, so I don't think they'll forget, right? It's going to be a new mm-hmm. thing that's in their head. If not, you'll have an assistant coach who reminds you how yeah. you can do five subs i think even if they don't go with using the five subs even if there's only three subs there'll still be a lot of squad rotation in the back end of the season um because you know no one wants they don't, don't want to get your players hurt essentially mm-hmm. right um so i think wolfsburg still give a debut to ulysses Janes at some point between now and the end of the season they're in seventh place they're 13 points away from the Champions League spots. They could grab a Europa League spot. So they're kind of doing okay, right? They're not yeah. in a really pressurized situation. I'm sure they'd love to be in the Europa League, but it's not do or die for your finances to get into the Europa League, right? Um, this weekend, they are away to Augsburg. It's not on like regular television in the US. If you've got Fox Soccer Match Pass and you can watch all the Bundesliga games, you'll be able to see it. If he does make a debut, I'll definitely go back and, you know, watch the minutes. Um, will you? And let you know what's happened. Yeah, for sure. And w- will your monitor go with you as well? It will. So I changed my, I changed yeah. my insulin pod before we started recording because I said it kept beeping, right? I forgot that an <laughs> hour after you change it, it just checks in with you to make sure you're still oh, good. Nice. Yeah. That's fun. That's so nice of it. I escaped many beeps, but I couldn't escape all the beeps. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate I appreciate your thoughts on Yanez. I do hope he gets his debut. Yeah, uh, I think I'm less optimistic than you are because I, I, I'm less optimistic about young players getting minutes. You have made a dent in that. I think you've made me feel like there is more of a chance. Well, here's the here's the pro and con version of this. I think mm-hmm. young players do get a chance in the Bundesliga. But that means there's young players ahead of Ulysses Janes who've already got a chance in the Bundesliga, right? So his main competition for minutes on the left winger at, uh, at Wolfsburg is Josip Brekelo, a Croatian winger, who himself is only 21. So there's already young talent that's been brought through and is ahead of him. That's the problem. So, so then you, you, basically you're putting it down to like just rotation as to why he would get minutes? Yeah, definitely. I mean, and the fact that they essentially have a plan for him, right? They want to keep him at Wolfsburg. I think they would have given him a debut one way or the other before the end of the season. I just think we might see more of him than expected because of the weird situation, because um, players will need rotating and resting, and because we might have the five subs, there's just more chance he gets on the field. Is your sort of like foundational operational belief that they kind of have this figured out, the Bundesliga clubs? What, how to use the five subs? Or just like how to go about business uh, in the current situation. What do you mean by business? Well, just like I think you, you seem to have a lot more faith than I do that everybody's kind of got it figured out and knows like, OK, we're going to do this. This is how we're going to play. We've got everybody back on board. Like, I, I guess I feel like there's a lot more uncertainty with all the individual clubs. And that's where I think I'm less inclined to think like there's going to be lots of young people getting minutes and people doing really well. Like, I think it's going to be much more chaotic, I think, than it sounds like you do. Well, no, I just think that essentially players, because of the um, the way the schedule will be, and because of mm-hmm. this weird gap where no one's played for two months, I think they'll just they'll need to like have fewer minutes each, right? Hmm. So whether it's five subs or whether it's just that some players will like play one game and need a rest the next game, I think it means more of your squad gets used one way or another. All right, okay, you know what I'm saying. So that's I that's do. why I'm optimistic, and then I'm also just optimistic that Yanez was getting a debut anyway. Yeah. So. 
I, I don't disagree that I think there's going to be more opportunities. I think mine is rooted in that I think there are going to be more injuries. I do, I do think we're going yeah. to have a lot of people coming back and getting hurt pretty quickly or getting too. hurt or worn down really fast, and that's where I think there's going to be some opportunities in there. So I wouldn't be opposed to just like a minor calf strain for Josip Brekalo. <laughs> just minor. Just keeps him out yeah. for half a game. Yeah, and then there's always the persistent possibility that he'll re-injure it because that's what happens. Well, we don't want to wish anything too rough on him long term. Yeah, nice try. You already, you already did. <laughs> watch, watch him win the Ballon d'Or now. I've said that. Um, there you go. So, <laughs> anything else that you want to talk about, Taylor? I um, I think everything I'm excited about this weekend, I've very enthusiastically expressed so far. Yeah, I think you have as well. I think, yeah, there's lots to be excited about, but then we do still have uh, some questions about the Bundesliga resuming play and how that might work and, and all that sort of thing. Should we get to some questions? Oh, yeah, we, got, we took all those listener questions from mm-hmm. Twitter. Okay, yeah, I have pulled them up. Get us started, Taylor. Which question would you like to ask, answer first? I'm going to go with the first one. Uh, okay. At Ace uh, Ubas, Ace-Ubas, uh, how do you think this quarantine break will affect the teams in terms of fitness and tactics? Do you think top-of-the-table Bayern could lose uh, the momentum they had before the break? We've, we, With some of these, we've kind of already given some answers, so maybe we All can right. just kind of round out and finalize this. Yeah, his, his, my quick answer is everybody's lost momentum, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's just going to be like a weird, fresh start for everybody. I would bet that Bayern are one of the teams that are best equipped to not lose it as much. One, because they have a really deep squad, right? If they do need to rotate a lot or if they get some injuries, they've got all kinds of players they can can bring in. They're not short of talent. But two, I think Bayern were one of the first teams to get back to some sort of socially distanced practice. I don't know if they were just... um, if it was just reported because they're just uh, they're just more eyes on them. If it was reported earlier that they were back and doing socially distanced practices, or if they actually were a couple of weeks ahead of everybody. Mm-hmm. But I've got faith in the Bayern organization to do things in a way that gets them as well set up as you can be. Yes, I, I think Bayern are going to be like one of, if not the most stable teams in the Bundesliga in this time period. And and I think that that probably makes it hard for people to catch them, but we'll see how it all plays out. I do think in terms of fitness and tactics, like no matter what, even if everybody's been running and training, it is just a different animal to go into. Like you can be very fit and go into soccer and it's just, it tests a different muscle group. Maybe if you're running, you can run for distances and you can do the wind sprints, but you're not as like mentally engaged and that mental fatigue factors into the physical fatigue. So I think we'll see injuries because I think we're going to have people coming back and not being quite fit yet, but thrust into challenging circumstances. And I think we're probably, as I mentioned, going to have some like awkward gameplay as people figure stuff out. Can I just weigh in on this? I I think people who haven't played soccer, even at like an amateur level like we have, don't quite understand the difference between training and running and playing and kicking a ball and even challenging when you're allowed to, to do that versus what happens when you get into a competitive game situation. If you're truly competitive, like I would say you and I are when we play, like as in we give everything, um, mm-hmm. even at our amateur level, you really are like putting extra strain on your, yep. on your muscles and all kinds of body parts that you just, you can't put that amount of strain on it no. unless you're in a competitive situation, right? Dude, it's like, I, it's a next level thing. And then the guy you're going up against is doing the exact same thing. And there's no substitute for that. That's why no. match fitness, match sharpness is impossible to get without playing matches. Dude, did I tell you about like my Monday morning realization when I was walking the dogs? No. Recently? So it was be- 
Yeah, it was, it was like maybe like last season, but it was sort of, I was trying to figure out like why I just like, after a soccer game, like I used to not be as sore, not be as like hurt, banged up, bruised as I used to be. And I was like, that can't just be aging. Like, like what is it exactly that's making that happen? And then as I was like sitting in the park with the dogs, I was thinking about right now, if I just went at full speed, jumped in the air and then like gave up complete control of my body and like slammed onto the ground and rolled for 10 yards. Like I would just never do that. Like, why would you ever do that in, yeah. in like real life? And then I was like, I do that like 10 times a game. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it is like you just get banged up in a way that unless you are like throwing yourself around your house to like yeah. learn how to deal with the pain, the happy Gilmore style. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think, yeah, there's going to be some, uh, some uh, kind of harsh awakenings for some folks. So whichever Bundesliga team has instructed their players yeah. to throw themselves around the house, happy Gilmore style. I think he just the takes the, uh, they, he takes they, like the, the balls to the face on the, uh, the pitching machine is how he trains. Yeah. So whichever, whichever Bundesliga yeah. team has been doing that yeah. in their homes, they're going to win the league. Um, all right. Perfect. Next, next Twitter question mm-hmm. uh, we selected comes from at soccer Q. Um, which American currently playing in the Bundesliga do you think will have the biggest impact for the remainder of the season? Okay, I've got uh, three for you, and I can do it uh, bing, bang, boom style. Do you want me to go quick, or do you want me to go one by one? Are these three in order? Because Sokakus is asking for an, a singular which American currently playing. Yeah, okay. Then I'll go with my number one, which is John Brooks. Uh, we haven't Ooh. really talked about him very much, but I think John Brooks is a player who... Uh, has his own uh, history of injuries and usually at this point of the season is like, I think he might play, but he's been out for a week and we're not really sure. And I'm hoping that he has gotten that opportunity to be at 100% to rest up. And I think that puts him in a better position than normal. And then as we've already talked about with Wolfsburg, like they're possibly challenging for European places, yeah, especially Europa League. But I think there's, again, there's not that, like, you've, we've got to do everything we can to win, and, like, we, we've just got to make sure that we win every single game so we avoid relegation or so we can challenge for the title. I think they've got, like, a little bit of flexibility in there, and I'm hoping that a fully fit John Brooks, with a little bit of flexibility, we see a stronger performance and a, a strong end of the season. I think it's Tyler Adams. Um, okay. And I think it's Tyler Adams number two. because he wasn't available for so much of the season that if you just measure impact in terms of what the team was like without you versus what mm-hmm. the team is like with you fully fit, this is assuming he's fully fit and ready to go. I yeah. think the answer is Tyler Adams, not least because Leipzig are in the title race. And even if not in the title race, then in the race for uh, their third, right, to make sure they finish top four for the Champions League. So it's high yep. stakes. And he's back and he's a key player for that team. So that's why I think Tyler Adams could have the biggest impact uh, for the rest of the season. I agree. And I had him as my number two. Uh, and one of the main reasons was because the versatility he offers. We talk a lot about he can play a lot of different positions, but I think that will make him invaluable to Julian Nagelsmann, especially with some players returning where he's not quite sure how he wants to use them. So I think that sort of relative stability that Tyler Adams will bring is a big reason why he could be a key performer for them. So, yeah, I like, I like Tyler Adams in there as well. All right, next question is from mm-hmm. at C Mendoza Esquire ESQ. Um, are our injured American players healed up better because of the break? Uh, it stands to reason that they are. Uh, we, we haven't heard much about like uh, a lot of different players like still dealing with injuries, still like hoping to come back. The one big one that we think we won't see very much of, at least not until like maybe later on, would be Zach Steffen, uh, who's still dealing with an inner ligament injury. Yeah. Uh, which did you say it happened in training? Yeah, that was the report. Is uh, when when Dusseldorf, Dusseldorf, yeah, when Dusseldorf got back mm-hmm. into practice. Not long afterwards, there were reports of a Zach Steffen knee injury. Um, in this is late April, like April twenty seventh. Mm-hmm. I read the story, um, but this is also a knee that had been flaring up all season, right? So I think this is a long standing problem. That as soon as Steffen got back into practice, um, it essentially 
went again. My guess is Stefan is out for the rest of the season. That would be the smart thing, I think. Yes, I think Although so. And I, and I doubt City won him rushing well. it. They're fighting relegation as well, aren't they? Yeah. They're in the they're 16th, which what means that they are in the relegation playoff spot. So you may see Stefan rushed back if Dusseldorf get desperate. You, you, you might well could. I wonder if City can prevent that in any way. Because <laughs> I doubt they want their young possible backup goalkeeper next season re-injuring himself so this that Dusseldorf can maybe get a point or two. Um, I would say that apart from Stefan, the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, and I also think... This question has been asked before, but I think there are a lot of young Americans who have played a lot of soccer um, at a very young age. And it doesn't it wouldn't surprise me if that's the reason why they're getting lots of these little recurring injuries around the age of 2021. This has happened to Weston McKenney. It's kind of happened to Christian Pulisic, right? He's in and out a lot in Chelsea um, and at Dortmund before. And mm-hmm. it's happened to Tyler Adams. I think this is a thing that happens when you play a lot as a teenager and then you hit that 20, 21-year-old um, age range. It happened to Michael Owen. It happened to Steven Gerrard, I remember. Those are my two touchstones for this exact kind of thing happening. I think a nice long rest is good for all of them. All right. So, so does that mean you think that they're going to come back uh, guns a-blazing? Yeah, I mean, I think they're all going to be looking good, but I'm also um, an incorrigible optimist. So <laughs> There we are. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we've got another question uh, from James Porter. NH, uh, how come the Bundesliga has 18 teams when it seems most European top flights have 20? Uh, what is y'all's preference on the number of teams in a top flight? So there is a note here that Taylor says, I'm happy to research this if you mm-hmm. take your best guess. So I didn't do any research. I think it's just because the Bundesliga are smart, right? And I'm sure when they did, I know when they did some sort of reordering of German football, maybe that's when they decided 18 teams is better so that we have fewer fixtures, right? You have a 20-team league, every team plays 38 games. You have an 18-team league, every team plays 34 games, and you leave mm-hmm. room for a winter break. So you are, I'm going to give you like 85% correct because yeah, basically it allows for the winter break. It also respects the tradition of not playing uh, like midweek games. They tend to only play on the weekend aside from like the Monday games that we've talked about, but that's kind of considered part of it. So you've got that tradition. Interestingly though, you've got it the opposite way. They expanded to 18. They initially started with 16 in the league and then they moved it up to 18 and that's where it's been since then. When was this? When, When did they go from 16 to 18? I think late. 80s, early 90s, okay. I think, is when they when they adjusted. I might be wrong on that one. But um, there is a current proposal that would see them not have pro-rel uh, this season, which would mean they move up to 22 teams, and there are many, many, many reasons why people oppose that. That does seem like it's very unlikely to happen. It does seem like pro-rel will continue. It's so we will still idea. have this... that 18-team league. Yeah, I mean, if you play out the season, you may as well go with the, the promotion and relegation results, right? Otherwise, what was the point of playing out the season just to, just to get the TV money? You may as well also have the sporting merit at the end of doing it, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, more on the, the finances and the reasons why the Bundesliga are where they are uh, on next week's show when we talk to, uh, when I talk to Manuel uh, Faith. Right. But yeah, for now, I think it's essentially to keep it small so you don't have to play games midweek. You, do, you can still have that break. You still get that rest. That does feel like a thing that will go away because that is a month where they don't get TV revenue. But for now, it's still there mm-hmm. and they are uh, expected to continue to honor it. Um, and James also asked, what is yours preference for the number of teams mm-hmm. in a top flight? I think mine is 18. I think Germany I think have it too. just right. Yep, I think yeah. so too. Because um, it also like- it squeezes the middle a little bit, right? So you have less of there is a sort of dead zone in the middle of the Premier League, and it just squeezes that a little bit by having two two fewer teams. Yeah, and it gives you the break, so you can sort of like you know find new things to be excited about, and then the league resumes uh, as opposed to the Premier League, where it's like, all right, well, yeah, we know they're going to finish eighth. That's just how that's going to go. <laughs> um, ready for the next question? Uh, um, I, I believe I am. Yep. At odavis underscore ninety seven asks, why is it easier for Americans to break through in the Bundesliga? than other leagues 
Mm-hmm. I've got a couple answers for you, starting with the fact that it's kind of just easier for them to be in the Bundesliga. Uh, it's easier for them to get there because England has strict rules requiring, requiring uh, regarding excuse me, like foreign players and how many appearances they have to have in special circumstances. Spain and Italy have limited numbers on non-EU roster spots. Germany do not. So, And I believe that extends to Bundesliga 2 and maybe even 3 as well. So it's easier for uh, non-EU players, Americans, to basically find opportunities with clubs and get in there early to get the training in. Uh, and with that as well, I think dual Nationals definitely played a part in terms of kind of paving that way yeah. for some familiarity, as did Americans going over there and kind of establishing that you can have success a la Steve Tarandolo. And then there's also just a culture of giving young players a chance, right? Yeah. That just has, has happened in Germany. Um, I don't know when it started, if it was like after Euro 2000, when they realized they needed to redo the way they thought about football. But at least in the last 20 years, German football has been very much like, all right, 18 year old, here's your debut. Let's go. It feels it feels like with that in mind, it feels like there's just kind of a practicality, which I know is a shocking thing to say about Germany. Uh, but like, there's an element of like we know uh, Premier League teams have more money; they don't have fifty plus one. They have a bigger TV deal. They can buy our players, and there there seems to be a buyer and aside maybe like less of an inclination to fight that reality and instead exist within that reality. So yeah. I think it's also an idea of, yeah, we want to bring in that 18-year-old for $2 million and give him opportunities to develop so that two years from now we'll sell that player for eight times that and now we've got that profit that we can use to sort of stabilize things. Yeah, and look at Christian Pulisic, right? So if mm-hmm. you think of what Dortmund did yep. with Christian Pulisic, um, they didn't pay anything, I don't think, because the, we didn't have any solidarity payments or training compensation thing in place. Signed him um, after he'd been at PA Classics Development Academy so paid almost nothing for him um he's there from what 16 to 19 20 21 20 i want to say yeah um they sell him for 70 something million euros not bad a decent return it's a good business model that's why yeah. and that's why a lot of bundesliga teams do it and that's arguably the second biggest team in germany doing that yeah yeah so i mean and and, and once you and then like past becomes precedent we used to talk about this with mexican players uh going to the eredivisie that it felt like there was this kind of pathway that had been established yeah. that then kind of allows you to keep doing that the transatlantic I mean, look pipeline. at Schalke. yeah well, exactly uh look at Schalke where they have i believe 14 americans i'm making that up but they've got a lot of americans uh on their roster in their youth ranks and i think once you have one and see the success you keep adding on to it yeah i think that's it yeah once it's established as something that works um, mm. There was also, didn't uh, Steve Cerundolo say that essentially a lot of the um, attributes that American players have in terms mm-hmm. of hard work and dedication and being a team player, essentially Americans have a reputation in Germany for being that kind of player, that a lot of clubs are looking for that exact mindset, which makes yeah, the Josh Sargent thing all the weirder, to be honest. Yeah, it really does. Uh, but like, and maybe that's because he had so many offers and opportunities. I don't know. But like, I think about some of the players we know who've done that. And maybe this is like my American bias. But I do think that, yeah, that makes sense that you've probably got players who are going to go who are very good. But I'm going to guess, generally speaking, like technically not as developed as their European counterparts. But I think there's an awareness of that. So if you sort of know I am very good, but I'm not as good as everybody else, so I've got to work extra hard to get to that level, yeah. that is probably the exact situation that a coach is looking for, yeah. of good player who wants to be great and is willing to do anything you ask <laughs> to make that happen versus like Zlatan doesn't do trials. Like, that, like you're not going <laughs> to, you know what I mean? So I think there's probably that like awareness of Americans' uh, willingness to work. I'm not reading for this part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, last one we have is from mm-hmm. at John Mark 93 Oh, speaking of, with all the hype around Gio Reyna, 
Do you guys think he'll end up being a winger or more of a central attacker? Before we answer that, Taylor, why haven't we talked about Gio Reyna as much um, in this preview episode, given that his Dortmund team are playing Schalke? I mean, I think if you go back, we listen. We talked a decent amount about Gio Reyna. Uh, I think it's just oh. also we established that like he might not uh, get as as many minutes. Like he'll still get some, but oh, he because yes. of all the players Dortmund have coming back. Yep. It's been a while since we talked about Dortmund. Sancho, Götze, Brandt, mm-hmm. Hazard, Reyna, Royce. Yes. Yeah. So I think he his best opportunity short term is probably out wide. I know that I remembered enjoying him more central than out wide, but I think we disagreed on that then. So I'm interested to hear what you have to say, Daryl, because I know you've done some digging on Mr. Gio Reyna. So it depends what you mean by central attacker. Um, if you mean center forward, then I'm not quite as keen. I, I do not. I think, well, I'm, I'm sort of speaking to John Mark because that's how he uh, okay. phrased it. Um, I think he's best as, um, yeah, essentially a central attacking midfielder almost in the Kevin De Bruyne type model, right? Where you're yeah, sort of that operating makes a lot of sense. behind the opposition midfield, but in front of the opposition defense. And I think if you go back to that PSG game, do you remember the goal? He gets an assist on, I think, an Erling Haaland goal where he receives the ball on the half turn, yeah. just past the mm-hmm. halfway line, drives from like a center right position more towards the middle and then slips Haaland in. I think that's what Gio Reyna is great at. Finding space, receiving the ball on the half turn, dribbling at people and making something happen. If you pin him yeah. out on the wing, he can't do that. If you pin him up at center forward because he's six foot, he's not like just getting him to run in behind. He doesn't have that to the extent that like Haaland has it. But I think operating between midfield and defense in a central attacking spot, I think that's where we'll get the best out of Gio Reyna, which also just got me really excited for him to, uh, to play for Greg Berhalter because I think he could really fit into one of those roles. Oh, and we do we do know, or at least we know that there was reporting that there were a number of players who were probably going to be called into that March camp under Berhalter. I think Reyna was indeed one of them. Oh, so he, we would have gotten um, that chance. Yeah, at the MLS 25th season kickoff thing, Berhalter yeah. said to a number of reporters, um, yes, Gio Reyna will be in my squad for March. He was 100%. Yeah. He was the only confirmed call-up, even though we never actually got to see that roster. But when the coach himself says, yes, I am calling him up for that roster. Um, it stands to reason. He, yeah, I can guarantee he would have been there, yes. Um, my question for you is this, Daryl. How much of our desire to see Gio Reyna play central is a product of his last name? Not so much for I think me, it's like, it's like I, a small percent for me. I wasn't a US fan in Reyna's mm-hmm. heyday, right? Yeah. So it's not, it's not as big for me just to have him play a similar role to his dad. And even then, his dad often played a little deeper, right? Like uh, Gio Reyna, I think much more of as a, um, a very, yeah, like quite far up the field attacking midfielder, whereas Reyna's more of a, Claudio Reyna I think of as more as a, controlling central midfielder what i'm writing down right now is daryl is a fair weather national team fan <laughs> got it cool all right cool 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no that that that, may, that does make sense yeah <laughs> and i, I agree. gave you a really good answer i didn't deserve my name being written in a book <laughs> like i was getting a yellow card <laughs> i should keep that the the official card book of the total soccer show and we can just give each other cards when situation requires i'm guessing i get booked more than you do <laughs> Oh, Taylor, I do have um, one question. Mm. I'm sorry that I saw on Twitter, but our friend Elliot Barr asked it, mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to raise it. He asked, what are the chances that fans show up at the stadium, um, mm. especially for something like that Dortmund-Schalke uh, game? Um, I've got a really strong sense that that's not going to happen. Um, so it did yeah, happen I for think... Dortmund-PSG, right? Mm-hmm. But that was before we all realized how very, very serious all of this was. And also, I'd submit that the reason Germany is in such 
good shape in terms of like a low mortality rate for coronavirus Mm -hmm. is that German society, everybody's almost everybody has been very sensible about following the rules. And that's why they're in a position to reopen certain things. So I'm pretty confident that you won't see dumbass fans turning up to games. Yeah, I mean, anytime a thing is new and therefore not normal, it's going to be harder to sort of like understand and operate within. Whereas, yeah, to your point now, we've been wearing uh, masks. People have been washing their hands or wearing gloves or what have you. So I think once that's the norm, it's easier to just exist within that as opposed to. Yeah, yeah, I know they say don't go to the stadium, but I'm going to go anyway. I do know that is a concern with the Premier League reopening is when Liverpool win the title. Might be difficult to uh, keep Liverpool fans from going out and celebrating. Yeah, that's the only tough one is... um Again, British society has mostly been really good about uh, people uh, staying home. Like my dad hasn't left the house. <laughs> he's really he stayed in and he's been washing his hands. So I think he's like double double secure. Um, I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be difficult here, but like, aren't there all those photos of people packed into subways today? Right, because they reopen okay. things today um, uh-huh. and encourage people to start going back to work. And a lot of people in London, the only way they can get to work is on the tube on the subway. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it looks bad, but that they are following the rules where people have been told to go back to work. So that's what yeah, I'm saying. That wasn't happening until the British government said, um, okay, go back to work, right? So it's a bad look, but it's also it's what the government kind of asked for. Um, mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is the same situation in the UK, if and when the Premier League comes back, um, I'm going the long way around here to agree with you. If and when the Premier League comes back, I don't think fans will turn up outside stadiums. But if Liverpool finally win the Premier League... yeah. You've got to celebrate, right? It's so, it'll be so hard to remember what the rules are because you'll just be delirious with joy. I forget where I saw it written, but it was somebody like making like the argument about Premier League returning and the issues they have to deal with. And the point they made was like even like victory in Europe Day, people still like were cautioned not to leave their homes. So it was basically everybody stood on their front porches and applauded. But there were still like public displays of celebration. Yeah. So there is a precedent historically for English fans. Not getting too rowdy when the situation doesn't call for it, but I think you'd have a difficult time constraining Liverpool. So we'll see what happens there. But in terms of Germany, I don't think you're going to get that many fan issues, even with uh, there being a big derby this weekend. And also, honestly, if Bayern Munich win the league, it's not mm-hmm. like it's been decades since they won the league. <laughs> exactly. Right? They can probably Business just stay, usual. stay home in Bavaria and just be like, yep, check another one off the list. <laughs> It's like Duke fans being like, "Oh, we want another one." Oh, that's good. Yeah. Okay. So maybe, maybe for the for the health of Germans, pe- the German people, we should um, hope yeah. that Bayern win the league and not Dortmund or Leipzig. No. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, uh, do you have anything else uh, to add before we we continue to wait for the r- r- uh, resumption of soccer? Just two plugs. So yeah. Saturday night or Sunday morning, we will have mm-hmm. a review of the Bundesliga action. We're so excited to analyze some live football again. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, also, Major League Soccer has, uh, has been uh, thinking of ways that they can bring back Major League Soccer and have a 2020 season. Um, Sam Steschkel and Paul Tenori have done some reporting on it for The Athletic. They will have an episode of Allocation Disorder in the Total Soccer Show feed uh, Thursday or Friday where you can uh, hear all about what MLS is thinking about maybe planning to do there we go thinking about maybe planning to do well phrased it's the thinking about maybe planning to do plan uh from major league soccer it's a good one it's a solid one (laughs) so keep your ears peeled for that um anything else from you mr rockwell no sir then i will close by saying taylor rockwell thank you for taking the time to talk to me today right back at you buddy listeners thank you for listening and we will talk to you again after the guys just be laughing